Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Not only the top of the morning to you, but the top of the year to you. And thanks for joining The Brian Buffini Show. I am so excited about this year's podcast. You know, we had such a phenomenal response to launching this program last March that we have really decided to put more resources and more energy, more people behind the podcast. You're going to be hearing from guests. You're going to hear presentations that are just going to be another level above what we've already been doing. So I'm very excited for you. We're also moving to a weekly show. One of the additional podcasts you'll be listening to will be what's called Takeover Tuesday. And that'll start out with my brother Dermot, who's the CEO of Buffini Company, interviewing his who's who Rolodex. Very, very powerful business leaders, influencers, hugely successful people. And so today's podcast is with one of the all-time great guys. His name is Brian Moran, or Moran, as you say, in America. And he's wrote the runaway bestseller, The 12-Week Year. Over 100,000 copies sold in its first print. This book is changing my life. I am currently in the midst of applying the information in this book to my life. My wife and I are currently just launched into our 12-week goals to start our year off. And uh, I wanted to bring Brian to you. You're going to learn how to be the CEO of your life. You're going to learn how to live by design, and you're going to hear a new definition for accountability. I want you to listen to this podcast. I want you to get his book. I want you to have a great year. And I believe this is the best way we can possibly help you start your year off on the right foot. This is a live recording backstage at a recent event. Enjoy the interview with Brian Moran. Well, the top of the morning to you, and welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. Today, I'm very honored to be joined by renowned author Brian Moran. In America, they say Moran, so we'll keep it that way. We're actually backstage at our Toronto Success Tour event, and Brian has flown up to hang out, and he's enjoying the event, and I want you to learn about Brian Moran and his message, and I think it can be of great value to you. Give you a little background on Brian. He's 30 years experience as a CEO, corporate executive. He's an entrepreneur, a consultant, and a business coach. He's an expert in the field of leadership and execution. Brian's a sought-after speaker, inspiring thousands of people for the likes of Allstate, Mass Mutual, Merrill Lynch, Nationwide, New York Life, State Farm, by George. If you have an insurance question, he's the man to ask. Brian has written a book, though, that is a life changer, and it's in the process right now of changing my life, and it's called The 12-Week Year. And it's a how-to book, and it's designed to accelerate productivity, efficiency, but it's as good a life-changing book as I've read in a long time. Brian, we're very honored to have you. Thanks for popping by. Thanks for having me. As you know, my mother's name was <laughs> Moran, so Brian Moran, we could be we've brothers from different mothers here. Yeah, <laughs> Fantastic. So we've had a great time hanging out recently, and, and we have a lot in common and growing businesses and things like that. But tell our listeners a little bit about you, where you came from, where you grew up, what your journey's yeah, been like. Yeah. Oh, happy to. I uh, grew up in Michigan, middle-class family. My dad was an electrician. Oh, wow. Yeah, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. It was um, Ozzy and Harriet, nice. what I'm accused of from my <laughs> wife. But it was, it was a great childhood. I have an older brother, younger sister. My brother's 10 months older. My sister's a couple years younger. <laughs> I think my mom said enough. Uh, yeah, all right. Bit. But, you know, we, we were all about the family. My parents were all about the family. Sure. So 
Uh, my dad coached the league football and baseball, all that stuff. So I was blessed in that way. So you were the classical suburbanite American it, it, kid. It really was Midwestern yeah. it values. Was great. It was a great upbringing. Yeah. yeah. So then, tell me a little bit about your journey on your work life and where you ended up. It's an interesting story. I was attending Michigan State University. Ah, Spartan. part of the Spartan Nation. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And I was working UPS at night to pay for college. My parents just weren't, you know, they helped me out a little bit, but they weren't in a position to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So I was doing that, and they offered me a promotion to run that operation in the evening. It's called the Reload. Mm -hmm. And I was getting a degree in physiology to be a strength coach. Wow. But I thought, you know, it's a lot less physical work. The Irishman in me said, hey, <laughs> I'm attracted to that. It was a little better pay, a little better benefits. And I thought, you know, you never know where to go. So I took that job. It was interesting, Brian, because the guy I got to work for, was very much a coach, mm. which this is 30 years ago. No one talked about a manager as a coach, and especially in that environment because it was Teamsters. Mm. So I just, I, I got so turned on by that. I moved to California because I wanted to get out of Michigan and got in with PepsiCo, and, you know, I just got fired up about the whole leadership thing. Yeah. So that first coach, what was his name? Don't even remember his name. Isn't that a shame? Isn't that wild? It's yeah. funny, though. Yeah. I, there's The impact on me, though, exactly. was Exactly. There's was, people who touch my life that just... They added a little flavor, a little seasoning at the right time. Yeah. And, you know, you know, there's, there's an old phrase, it was a woman who led me down the road to drink and I never wrote to thank her, you know. And it's, it's, isn't it amazing? And so many yeah. people want to make this difference and be this, you know, monumental person that impacts yeah. somebody's life forever. But sometimes it's that word of encouragement, it's that yeah. little interaction. Yeah. yeah. You know, at the time, I didn't recognize the influence he was having on me. Sure. It was only later. That's yeah. why I can't remember his name, yeah. right? But, but you so, went yeah. on then to major corporations and yeah. eventually became an executive? Yep. I was uh, joined a consulting firm. We did a lot of performance improvement work with Fortune 1000. Nice. The cool thing about that was they were one of the pioneers in understanding the impact culture had on performance. So mm. it was huge learning for me. And then one of our clients offered me a position as vice president of sales. Nice. So I like salesmen. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> I, I, I took that. Um, but we had moved back to Michigan. They were in Phoenix, so they were flying me back and forth and... and um, Candidly, the chairman and I didn't really see eye to eye, and he owned the company. It was a billion-dollar company, one of many owned. So yeah. he, he definitely was in control. And yeah. so, so I left there, and um, there was a business in Michigan that was starting up in health services that we were just going to invest in. I ended up running that. We needed someone to run it, put it into place. I still own that. We do on-site medical surveillance. So okay. we've got mobile units. We take physician and staff out and nice. that kind of stuff. And then somewhere along the way, I realized that what I really love to do and what I'm really best at is the whole consulting, training, coaching piece of that. So I started the company and started working with the notion of, you know, what's the value I'm going to bring to the marketplace? Right. And the realization was at the time that, you know what, everybody's got great ideas. Where the breakdown is, is on the execution side. Mm. And so that, that became the focus. The road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So where did the 12-week year come from? Interesting. We were working with the disciplines of high performance and execution, and one of our clients was into cycling. So I was reading about the U.S. Postal Team and Lance Armstrong, sure. and they were using periodization. Ah. So Craig comes to me and says, that's the client's name, he says, Do you, you're familiar with periodization? And I'm like, well, yeah, I kind of remember it from my weightlifting days. And we dug into that, and you know, in athletics, that's a training program that is all about focus and accountability and overload. Yeah. And so my business partner, Mike Lennington, I looked at that, and we said, you know what, that has applicability for what we're doing with our clients in our own business. And that's how, that's how the 12-week year was born. Interesting. And I believe, I've seen this over and over again, and you heard me talking about it at our event today, this connection between the sporting world, the business world, the personal self-management world yeah. they're very related yeah absolutely. you know because athletes at the end of the day it, athletes their business is performance 
you know, those cyclists, that's their job. Absolutely. And they have to maximize their physical bodies. But at the end of the day, you know, we're all corporate athletes. You know, we're, <laughs> at the end of the day, we have to all maximize. Yeah. And so yeah. where did the breakthrough come about 12 weeks? What's so magical about 12 weeks? Yeah, great question. So in athletics, at periodization, those cycles are like four to six weeks. So in a, if we look at cycling, right, a typical routine used to be a light ride on Monday, sprints on Tuesday, hill climbing on Wednesday, you know, road on Thursday. With periodization, they would take one of those disciplines and focus for four to six weeks. Mm. So you create this overload emotionally and physically, and you and you raise the base. So you just do mountains <clears throat> for four to six weeks? Exactly. Every wow. day. Wow. And so we took that, and you couldn't just apply that into business like that and mm-hmm. in a personal life. But we looked at the underlying concepts of it, and we said one of the things with that is there's these short cycles. It's kind of that rest, renew, yeah, right? right? These short cycles yeah. where you're really focused on stuff. And one of the things we had found, because we worked like everybody else worked with our clients. We helped them set annual goals, build annual plans, right. break them down quarterly and monthly. And we got good results, but we didn't get what they were capable of. Mm-hmm. And we realized that the inherent barrier in that was the annual cycle. I mean, think about that. Everybody, January, everybody's fired up. Sure. going to have the best yeah. year ever. New Year's Disney. resolutions. Yeah. Going to oh, yeah. lose the weight. Yeah, Here baby. we go. Gym membership's off the Richter scale. Get to the end of January, and most people are behind. The funny thing today is, what's interesting is, in 1980, and my mother calls me a hive of useless information, but in 1980, <laughs> 80% of people used to set New Year's resolutions. Last year, the number was 15%. So get, think about this. People have gotten to the point where, no, I'm not going to set resolutions because they don't work. But it also means they never have the hope of even the aspiration. <laughs> right. So there's this huge productivity gap. Hell yeah. But you kind of breeze past something. And a lot of times people breeze past their own brilliance. I've watched that for 20 years. If I have any, I'm, I'm probably Well, I'm, I'm, I'll bet you know. <laughs> you said everybody's on this annual cycle. I'm on an annual cycle. Everybody's on an annual cycle. How do you break the barrier to get off this annual cycle? You're basically saying you focus on this 12 weeks as if it's your year. Absolutely. The whole thing. Yep. Beginning, yep. middle, yep. end. So it's, not, it's not a means to an end. It's not a quarter. No. And I've got three more of these there coming. four of those in the year. That okay. is the year. Okay. Followed by the next one and the next one. Okay. Yep. Now, why is that so important? Because when you change that in your thinking, it changes your actions. Hmm. Because there's a sense of urgency that doesn't exist in the annual cycle till about October, November. Sure. And then it goes from, oh, I got plenty of time. The thinking says, yeah. oh, I got plenty of time to, oh, crap. Right. Right? Yeah. And Tax day the in sky. the United States. Yeah. April 15th. I've always found it hilarious that the post office has these giant baskets <laughs> open till midnight. That's right. And there's lines of cars and lines of cars and lines of cars. Now, one of the things that's happened in my life is I have to put on events. And you're looking here, and we have, yeah, great you know, event. we have tons of staff and hundreds of thousands of dollars to put on every one of our events. Here's the thing. I have deadlines built in all the time. Because if I'm ready tomorrow, but the event started two days ago, <laughs> oops, sorry. <laughs> you're in trouble. My team knows, okay, we're producing a video to promote our new Blitz program. It doesn't matter if they're ready next Wednesday. They have to be ready today. Yeah. So the process is built-in deadlines. It creates this intentionality. Yeah. You're shortening the window. Now, here's the thing. Do I lose my arms and legs? I mean, am I going to become psychotic for 84 days? Is that what happens No, here? no, no. So it's not taking everything you're doing 12 months and doing it in 12 weeks. Okay. It's focusing on the critical few, the okay. things that matter most. So a big principle of periodization that applies in the 12-week year is the principle of focus. Mm. Let's be great at a few things versus mediocre at many. Most people on an annual cycle, their plan is so overwhelming because they're planning for 12 months, mm-hmm. and they're diffused. So they make this little bit of progress right across the broad spectrum, that's a recipe for mediocrity. Yeah. So it's not about 
working harder. It's not about working longer. That's not the way you create breakthroughs. Anyways, it's about working different. Yeah. And it starts with being focused. So the difference between a floodlight and a laser beam. So how would you help somebody? Let's say someone comes to you and you help big corporations. Yeah. And they got departments and everybody's got their plans <laughs> and they've done their corporate offsites and whatever else. But whether it's an, a giant company or an individual, how do you help me to get down to that focused view? How do I do that? How do I prioritize that way? Yeah. Well, it starts with, that takes us into the discipline. So the first discipline is, is having a vision. Mm-hmm. And what's different with the 12-week year is most of the people we see that do vision work start with their business. Mm. We start with your life. Mm. Business is part of life. What do you want your life to look like? By the way, what would great look like? God willing, you're going to be here. Let's make it great, not right. good. Yeah. And then we bring that near term to 12 weeks and say, okay, where do we need to be in the 12 weeks to be standing that ground? So you're saying a vision, and, and the vision can be a year out, three years out, we five do, years we out, ten years out? We do two cuts at it, Brian. We do what we call long-term aspirational, five, ten, fifteen years great. in the future. And what you'll find with that is the mindset is I can own the world, which yeah, is right. great. That's sure. inspiring, right? It's a dream. And then we bring it more near-term to 36 months. Okay. And it starts to make you pucker a little bit, which is a good <laughs> thing because, the, you know, we have people put their age three years from today. Yeah, right. And it becomes more real. And then we use that to say, okay, where do you need to be in the 12 weeks? Right. So we're not laying track immediately in front. Sure. And it's connected to this. Now, that longer-term vision is going to change, as yeah. you know, because right. as you as you reach certain levels, new opportunities yeah. open up. Yeah. Sometimes you blow past them, and sometimes it was unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. And then the key there with that 12-week plan is that it's less is more. One goal is better than two, two is better than three. Part of it depends on what kind of team do you have to help in the physical execution because mm. there's a limit to how much you can physically execute. Mm. So if you're a solopreneur, you're going to have less goals than you would like you and your company because right. you've got a team of people. So give me an example. What would you encourage somebody? And again, every situation is different. But let's say you're meeting with somebody for the first time. They have this vision. I want to be this. I want to own the world and whatever else. What would be an appropriate bite of the apple for 84 days? The yep, twelve yep, week yep, year. Yep. Give me an example. Of what so, what you so, would so let's coach take, somebody up? Let's take um, you know your real estate people. Yeah, I'd have them look at what's the best twelve weeks they've ever had. Nice. Let's not just take the annual goal and divide it by four. Let's look at what's the best twelve weeks you had. Nice. What do you have in the pipeline? What what tailwinds do you have? What headwinds do you have? Right. So if you think about every twelve weeks as a year, there's nothing magical about twelve months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, right? It's just decided. It's just decided. Right. So if you treat every 12 weeks that way, that means every 12 weeks you're stopping the world. You're looking at where am I at? What worked, what didn't work? What's different in the marketplace? Reconnecting with my vision and lock and load and go. So somebody's, again. their annual goal is I want to lose 25 pounds. And you're like, okay, that's great. And I want to be X percent body fat. And I want to be able to do this. I'm able to run half marathons or whatever else. And you go, okay, that's great. Now what about the next... 12 Set, weeks. 12 weeks is okay. You're not going to lose 30 pounds well, unless here, you chop your head here, off, right? Here's the thing, though. The worst part of taking the year and dividing it by four is it's probably limiting yourself. Mm. My business partner lost 50 pounds in 12 weeks. No way. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Yeah. And I got a call September 7th from a client of ours. She called me because she said, I, I hit my annual goal for the company, and it's likely I'll double it by December. Now, had she broken the year into four, right. it would have never happened. Sure, because that becomes the norm. Right. And the mind is more powerful and... And, you know. then, and then that's your goal. That's what you're stretching towards. Right. So you'd say, what's your best 12 weeks? Yeah. And you try to make the plan around your best 12 weeks. Yeah. Shoot and and the here's, here's the other thing, Brian. I ask people, what do we have greater control over, our actions or our outcomes? 
Right. The answer is it's only our actions, actions, right? Right. The goals are the outcomes. Sure. So don't be afraid to stretch on those because you results. don't control them anyways. Nice. Are you willing to do the stuff in the plan? I love that. So that it's, gives you then freedom. There's so a say that again. Brilliance I have you that say, say. <laughs> okay, well, that's nice because there's freedom in that. Focus on the actions right. and, and have a big goal, Yeah. even in 12 weeks. Yeah, absolutely. But don't worry about it because you're not in control of it. And that's, you know, for a sales guy to say that, that yeah. sounds absurd, but right. you don't control it. So stretch on the goal. What matters is, did I do what I said I needed to do in order to hit the goal? And even if you don't hit it, there's a lot of research that says you come away with increased confidence, increased self-esteem, learning, a willingness to try it again. Mm. Yeah, and when we get fixated on the outcome that we don't control, we get stymied. It gets overwhelming. It gets discouraging. But when I know that the way I win each week is I focus on the activity. Yeah. Because that's what so I control. So you start with the vision, then you get into this plan. And you're basically saying, you and your company, you and your family, you do, you do basically four planning sessions a year essentially no, Let's, we don't no. we do one every 12 weeks you do one okay great I'm going to get this eventually I'm going to have to get because you're annualized no right? I, it's I, not, I, it's it makes sense yeah, yeah I'm already thinking that way I'm thinking 48 weeks instead of it's one 12 week plan and it's yep. as if nothing else yep. exists yep. and then 13th week is the recovery week it's where you celebrate it's where you nice. plan for the next 12 weeks it's, and go again and go again I love and it and you dial it up or dial it down depending on what you want to do so now I have the, I have the big vision I have the first bite of the apple. I'm going yep. to focus on the activities and not worried about the results. Now, your specialty is helping people into yeah. productivity and yeah. efficiency. How do you then tie it into actually getting stuff done? Great question. So the third discipline then is what we call process control. Mm -hmm. And that's our term, Brian, for tools and events. Mm -hmm. right? Putting things in the environment so that you're not just relying on personal discipline. Mm. So the example I like to use is we love the Olympics. I know sure. your family, right? Yeah, I'm married. Yeah, you're married. <laughs> so I'm watching Michael Phelps. And you think about Michael Phelps, I can guarantee in the last four years there were days he didn't feel like training, didn't feel like getting in the pool, Cold. but he did. Yeah. <laughs> and he did to a large extent because he had the processes around him mm. that made it easier for them to get in the pool than not get in the pool. Right. That's process control. So he has a coach. He has a calendar. He has his he, boxes he's Two other check pieces off. with that, that that we focus on. One is a weekly plan. Mm -hmm. And that weekly plan doesn't contain everything I do. Okay. And it doesn't even contain everything in the 12-week plan. It's just what's doing the 12-week plan this particular week, mm. which is really powerful. Break it because, down into the small. Because by default, that's the stuff that matters most. Yeah. Everything else is secondary. Because if I get that stuff done yeah. and I do that for 12 weeks, I'm going to be where I want to be, which is living my vision. Right. And the other piece of that then is peer support. And I know you're big on this mm -hmm. with your small groups. Going it alone, you got about a 10% chance of being successful statistically. With peer support, it's 80%. Wow. So we encourage people to get in a small group yeah. where they're willing to be transparent, where they're willing to challenge one another, encourage one another, meet for once a week for 15 minutes. We have thousands of people who meet once a month. And we do this because they're already part of a coaching, so they're having yeah. that kind of connection with their coach. Yeah. But we get them together. And, and here's the thing. Some of the breakthroughs that have happened there with peers have been so much more profound than anything I've ever done with anybody. And it's just fabulous. And the, you, you yeah. hear those stories. And it's just, here's the thing. Life's hard by the yard, a cinch by the inch. It's just, it's cool when you have someone on the journey with you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's shared. And I'm, I, hey, I'm not losing my mind. I'm not the only one who's facing this struggle or temptation. Yeah. I'm not the only one who's blown it this way. And by the way, you also hear from someone who's actually making progress and it gives you that hope, man, I can do it Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's a brilliant yeah. process. So what else? What other So then the, the, the fourth discipline is scorekeeping. You know, tracking the lead and lag indicators. Mm. And if your listeners aren't familiar with that, those are just, just measures, the key measures, mm -hmm. right? But there's one lead indicator, Brian, that, that really is the most powerful lead indicator we have, and most people aren't even aware of it. And that is a measure of our execution. Mm. Because, again, we control the actions. 
Right. So what we do with the twelve week year is that weekly plan becomes a scorecard. Yeah. And and you calculate it, you put the pencil to the paper, you use the system to do it, but you'll know as the CEO of your practice, your life, mm-hmm. whether you're at, at you know, somewhere between zero and hundred percent. And and you'll know why, which is really critical, because there's a breakdown, right? I'm not getting the result. It's either in the plan content, right. I don't have the right tactics, or it's in the execution. Ninety percent of the time, it's sure. in the execution. Well, here's the thing: we're big on tracking. You know, yeah. Lord Calvin says you can't improve what you don't measure. The fact is, we say in our tracking, we have CRMs for this and whatever yeah. else. There's only a room enough to write a number, not a story. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, I love it. Because we're great at making excuses and so on and so forth. Now, you just said something in passing: the CEO of your life. Yeah. That is a profound concept. What does being the CEO of your life mean? It means you're living with intention. And it goes back to the disciplines we were talking about. Do you have a compelling vision? Do you have a vision of the future that's bigger than the present? Like a CEO you know, would for a company. Exactly. Are you living a life by design or are you doing it by chance? Showing that's up. all vision. Yeah. Right? Are you working from a tactical plan, not a conceptual plan because you can't execute concepts? Right. Right? Are you working from a tactical plan? Are you using the tools of process control? Do you have the courage to measure? Mm-hmm. Are you measuring not only your results, but most importantly, your execution? Right. You know, that's the CEO of my life. Because whether I apply that in my business to earn more money or be more successful, whether I apply it in my personal life to build my marriage or lose weight, yeah. those are the components I need to drive that. Right. And what a brilliant concept that is. Because here's the thing. Many of the people listening to this may have... They may have a 401k or a, a retirement fund, and they've in, they have monies invested in stocks. And I've often said to people, like, if you were watching Bloomberg or CNN or Market Call or one of these shows, and they had the CEO of a company you own stock in, and they were interviewing them, going, what's your plan? And the guy's like, I have no idea. <laughs> There's no way you'd invest money. I just thought I'd strap this baby on and see what she could do. That's right. well, what are you guys doing? You know, I, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. There's no way, but yet... People wouldn't invest a small amount of money in a company like that, but people live have a life their, like their that. whole life. Yeah, and yeah. so I think it's a brilliant concept—the CEO of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think many people don't see themselves in that role. They don't see themselves in this leadership role as the CEO of your life. You need the plan. Yeah. You need the vision. You need what I'm trying to get accomplished. We're going to track the numbers so I know if I'm on track yeah. and doing well yeah. or not. And whether it's I'm going to be the CEO of my family. I'm going to be the CEO with my kids. I'm going to be the CEO with my health. I'm going to see my, CEO, my, 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 my spiritual life. Right, right. Okay. Brilliant stuff. Yeah. That's and brilliant then the stuff. fifth discipline is just time use. And it's interesting because in, I'll do workshops and I'll ask people, what's the first thing you need to know in order to be effective with your time? People say, well, how much you have? Well, mm-hmm. we got the same. <laughs> or where you're spending it. The first thing is you need to know what you want. That's a vision question. Right. What's the next thing? What matters most? That's the planning question. What's right. the next thing? Am I doing it? That's the process control question. What's right. the next one? Is it producing? Right. That's the scorekeeper. So exactly. there's a sequencing to those disciplines before you can ever be effective with your time. Love it. If you don't know that stuff, you're going to get more efficient at the stuff that doesn't matter. Yeah. So give me some warm fuzzies here. <laughs> Tell me some stories. We're Irishmen. Yeah. Yeah. We have yeah. stories. Now, only we only have, I will say, we have Irish tea in front of us, so we're authentic. <laughs> but normally we'd have something a little warmer for the cool nights. Yeah. Tell me a story. Tell me the story of someone who's applied this and they've gone from, they were one place and now they're in another. Yeah. So a couple of them come to mind. One is Ann Lofman. Okay. She's an advisor with Mass Mutual, and her managing partner brought me in to do some training for the whole team. And Ann was one of the most successful agents in the office. Okay. And so initially, Ann's attitude was, I don't need this stuff. Sure. Now, now, she had enough relationship with the managing partner that she came. Okay. And to Ann's credit, she not only came, she listened, and something clicked for Ann. Okay. And she engaged. She had a 400% increase. 
400% increase. And she'll tell you she didn't work longer, she worked less. She didn't go to new clients. She didn't write bigger checks. It wasn't different target markets. She was just more consistent with the stuff she swore she was already doing right. when we applied the system to it. But once she tracked it, once she had it focused on this shorter window, right. and a those, productive those, person became more productive in less time and effort. In less time and effort, yeah. And it and sounds that, like an infomercial, but I know this to does, be true. It, it, I know it does. We know it in coaching. Yeah. We know it, and it's short bursts. Life is not a marathon. It's a series of sprints. Yeah. And it's get it done, rest, recover, get it done, rest, recover, whether you're riding a bike up a mountain or yeah. anywhere else. We helped a billion-dollar brokerage double their app count in six months. I mean, that sounds crazy. But it's just by focusing in on the thing. It's not about being perfect. And you How said, long did that take? It was two 12-week cycles. Two 12-week cycles. A billion-dollar company doubled its, doubled app, count. its app count. So app count. Explain that to someone who doesn't. App count would be uh, in an insurance company, you take an app. It's going to become, some of them become an application. Some someone who wants to, someone who's expressed an interest process. in. Right. They're ready to buy. Yeah. they got to go through underwriting. Right. And so yep. that's the thing. So you're taking a busy person and increase their productivity 400%, and she's not flaming out and burning out. No. It's just with more intention, increased focus. Yep. Like I say, light yep. becomes a laser. You take a billion-dollar company, and it has $2 billion worth of opportunity within seven months. <laughs> yeah. You should have been flying up here on your own jet, right? I mean, come on. These fellas need to be, they need to be paying you more than buying a book. I'll have you talk to them. Yeah. Good. yeah. So recount the five for me again just because I a like vision. Yeah. Planning. Yeah. And, and again, 12-week planning is very different to traditional planning. Sure. Process control, yeah. scorekeeping, timers. Nice. Now, there's three principles that we wrap that in that okay. are the bedrock of, of life, I think. And the first one is accountability. Mm-hmm. Brian, if you've read our book, yes. we have a very different view of accountability. Sure. In that... You know, most people equate accountability with consequences, right. usually negative consequences. Right. And everywhere you hear that word in society, that's yep. what it's affiliated with, right? An athlete does something, yeah. commissioner a, comes out, we're going to hold them accountable, yep. right? What yep. you do, finds them, spanks them, some right. form of negative That's why I always say people want accountability until they get it. Because yeah. there's a 100% negative concept towards it. It is. And, and we would argue that's not accountability. That's consequences. Consequences play a role. Yes. That's not accountability. Right. Accountability is not consequences, it's ownership. Nice. And at the heart of accountability is free will choice. Because mm. I always, always, always have a choice. Yes. And it's, it's recognizing those choices and taking ownership of that. Mm-hmm. And so we work with leaders in particular about scrubbing this notion of holding others accountable. Because think about that. It's probably been a long time. But think about how you respond when someone tries to hold you accountable. What's the natural tendency? Yeah, you fight against it. You do. You dumb things down. You don't want to be pressed. Right. You right. play you're the game. You're not transparent. Right. Well, it creates just the opposite of what is a leader you're trying to create. Right. Right. So we talk about stop trying to hold people accountable. Yeah. Hold them capable. Nice. What does Love that it. mean? Confront them with their choices. Confront them with the consequences of the choices. Right. And watch what happens. It's subtle, but and, it's And provide profound. encouragement, right? I mean, that's Absolutely. part of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So accountability, and this is a new definition of it, yep. I love. Yep. What's the next? Commitment. Yep. Just understanding that we work on commitments on two levels. Personal commitments. I'm going to work out. We were talking about that, right? right. Spend more time with the family. I'm going to make my phone calls or write my notes, yep. whatever it may be. Right. And then there's the commitments I make to others. Nice. And just learning how to be more effective on both those levels. Person of your word. That's right? it. That's it. We, Absolutely. We, your, your father's an electrician. My dad was a painter. And they made their living. Their word was their bond. Absolutely. They didn't have big contracts and lawyers for everything. They shook a hand and looked in somebody's eye. On everything. Right. Yeah. And what's the third one? The third one is the notion of greatness in the moment. Mm. Brian, that's this concept that life is lived in the moment. Mm. That what we have is right now. Love it. And I like to use the hourglass. Right. The sand at the bottom, it's, the past, it's one minute ago. It's only a memory. Sand at the top's the future. God will, and we get to live it. Where's life lived? It's one grain at a time, mm. one moment at a time. Mm. Ultimately, 
That's where greatness is created. Right. We were talking about Michael Phelps. I'd argue Michael Phelps didn't become great when he won its 22nd gold medal or whatever it was. That was just the evidence of it. He became great years before that in a moment mm. when he decided to do the things he needed to do. One grain of sand at a time. And it's the same for us. And yet I think most people think, if I'm ever going to be great, right, sometime in the future when my business and my income's at a certain level, right. when my relationships look a certain way, in the end I'm great in the moment. Or I'm not. Love that. Either way, it's reflected in Love the future. It. What's the phrase? Uh, the past is history. The future is a mystery. We live in the present, and that's why they call it a gift. Yeah, I love it. It's I very profound, it. but I got it from Kung Fu Panda. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Now listen, we could spend hours here today. Yeah. You know your stuff. You've lived your stuff. You've taught thousands of people your stuff. You've seen thousands of results with your stuff. Here's what I'm going to encourage. We have 500,000 people in 120 <laughs> countries. How about they go get the book? Awesome. And uh, I think it's brilliant. It's one of the most refreshing reads. And I read a lot of books. I read a lot of bad books. Yeah. I'm a guy that people ask to refer books all the time. And you were at this event today. I didn't know you were coming until two days ago, but you saw I already endorse your book and, and yeah. tell my audience as I'm teaching them I, about goals. I got a copy to hold up. Yeah, that would be that. nice. <laughs> a physical copy, you know. Hey. But I, I think it's brilliant. And um, I thank you for being here today. This has just whet my appetite. I have a few more podcasts I think I want to do with I'd you. I'd love to. I think what I'd, I'd like to do really is break to. down into some more into the detail. But I'm not going to let you off the hook here. I know okay. you've got a flight to catch, and i got an event to go do. But I have five questions that I ask all, all right. my guests, and you're not getting off the hook. I'm ready. So, first of all, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Interestingly enough, I've gotten a lot of great advice from my dad, but that's mm -hmm. the, probably the best piece was a gentleman I worked for, and probably the most successful guy I've ever met. And I remember saying his name was Jules. And I said, Jules, if you had one characteristic, what do you think has contributed to success the most? And he said to me, Brian, he said, I recover well. Mm. He said, everybody gets knocked down, I recover faster. And I realized at the time he thought about it differently. Most people are surprised when they stumble. Yeah. They're surprised when they get knocked down. Right. Jules expected it. Right. And it's a great piece of advice that I've lived by because I get knocked down all the time. Sure. And it's, it's about you know, how quickly you get back into the game. Well, isn't that the definition of fitness? <laughs> fitness is about how quick somebody can recover. Yeah. That's right. your definition of fitness. Yeah. My brothers, years ago, they gave me a song that they said it's Brian's song. It's by a band called Chumba Wumba. Oh. And it says, I get knocked down, <laughs> but I get up again because you're never going to keep me down. It's a bit of a drinking song, but yeah, yeah. that's great. That's a New so, Zealand band. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, my gosh. Right, yeah. I don't know many people who know Chumba Wumba. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's great. Yeah. That's good advice that's good from advice. a billionaire, right? Yeah. Okay. What one talent or gift do you wish you possessed that you currently don't? I'd love to rock out on stage. I really Come would. on. No, no, that'd be great. With guitar. I started playing guitar as a kid. Nice. And then I quit when football started. Nah, and, so and you I'm still like, have the Eddie Van Halen point, in there? At some point, I want to you go know, back maybe, and Here's the good news. My goal in life is I've built this company and these programs, so I get to do... I've done Irish dancing on stage. Right, I've, done, see that. I've done the, rough, the Blues Brothers on stage. <laughs> so here's the good news. You become successful enough. I always say the key to life is to be eccentric with money. <laughs> 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 what book has been most instrumental in your life? Yeah, well, as we talked, that, that's the Bible. I mean, right. now there's other good business books Great. that I've read. One of them was Coaching for Improved Performance by Ferdinand Fornes. I don't know if it's even in print. Wow. Another one by Susan Jeffers, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyways. Two amazing Feel books. Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, yes. Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Love Those it. two secular, but the Bible's the one I'm in well, the most. There's 66 <laughs> books. Okay, I'm not going to let you get away with that one because that's an yeah, easy one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, tell me which character then in the Bible do you most identify with? Great question. 
I don't know. You know, it, it, the apostles in general, because Jesus kept reminding them how, I mean, they didn't get it. Yeah. Right? He would tell them time and time again, and then they'd come back with something. He'd, I could just see Jesus going, come on, guys, really? So that's me. Yeah, whether it's, you're one of those guys. Whether it's Peter, or, yeah, that, you know, not yeah. quite getting it. Yeah, But, but working great. at it, still nice. in the game. I can see myself slicing the guy's ear off for sure, no doubt <laughs> yeah, about it. Yeah. Okay, give me your favorite song or band. What's the one that your kids go, oh, that's dad's music? Or the oh. one that you rock out to, the one that gets you in the mood or something that really does you know, it's, good it's for you? It's funny because my uh, oldest is 17. We started this game when she was 10 with 70s music, so she loves it all. Nice. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I love Van Morrison. Oh, I love Daryl Hall and John Oates. Irishman. But probably my favorite band is The Who. So I took my daughter nice. last summer. We went with my brother and my niece and Roger yeah. Daltrey. Oh yeah, man. still doing it yeah, at seventy, yeah, baby. baby. It's your Pete alter Townsend. ego. You're going to yeah, be there one yeah. day. Nice. Yeah. Your Pete Towns is smashing the guitar. Did he, he smash one or no? He did. He's no, gone. He's, he's gone ecological now. Well, he, he was windmilling. He was windmilling. <laughs> so it was good. <laughs> yeah, he's got the Ben Gay on the arm doing the windmill. Awesome. Last but not least, what movie do you watch over and over again? What's the one that's like, it's on and you can't resist you know, it? You always it's watch. It's funny because it's not the one you think. It's Christmas Story. Wow. You watch that. I love that that's movie. That's it. The Red that's Rider it. rifle, yeah, is Red it? Red Rider BB gun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, our, that's, that's our. We quote that all the time. My mother in law's favorite movie. That's awesome. Great movie. Well, listen, it's been a treat over the past few months developing a relationship with you and coming out. I know you've been out to Buffini Company yeah. and seen our operation. Very and impressive. I love what you do. I love that Thank it helps you. so many people. I love that you wrote a book and it wasn't just about being a bestseller and it yeah. wasn't all about you. You have a great heart to serve and give and, and you've changed a lot of people's lives. You've helped a lot of people change their own lives, which is the ultimate. And I have no doubt that this is a podcast that people are going to listen to over and over again. I hope you enjoyed. There's some background noise and whatever else because we're backstage <laughs> we're live, and there's baby. all kinds of stuff going on. And, you know, great. We're not coming to you from our teched out studio. Yeah, that's right. But um, I think this is going to be something that people listen to a lot. Um, I think we need to come back and do a few more if you'd, to do you'd be game for yeah, that. Absolutely. And I hope that people do get the book. Actually, this might be the first book we've promoted on the podcast period. I don't promote much, but what I do, I do with great enthusiasm it's a great book because it really helps people you've done a great job thanks for being here today god bless you great stuff well i hope you enjoyed today's show don't forget to head over and leave a review on itunes we're also on android so download your favorite podcast app from google play and tune in for free i love hearing your feedback and i'd love to hear your feedback on this podcast and tell me what you thought of the interview today with brian you know our goal is to positively influence as many folks as we can we're very thankful for your referrals over a half a million people listening in over 120 countries. Keep sharing the show. We want to keep getting the word out there. So as I finish here today, I'm going to leave you with an Irish blessing that my grandfather Moran used to say. Tommy Moran would say this. May the roads race to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. We'll see you next time.